You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. And as Jess has said, it's great to see your smiling eyes. Have you ever done something with the very best of intentions or the very best motives um, and you're convinced at the time that you were doing the right thing only to discover it wasn't that great or you know, Eddie, I, I knew you'd be the first person to put your hand up Eddie bless you thank you very much you're not on your own I'm sure well I, I've done exactly the same thing I want to take a moment to drop uh, Pastor Don Bird in it big full-time. Um, pastor Don Bird, he's the pastor of Sunny Hill Church in Paul, the church that Jess and I came from. He's a good friend of mine. He also serves on the NLT, so I'm probably going to get sacked in about a week's time. Uh, so it's been lovely being pastor of this church. It's been great to be with you all. Um, when he was a young uh, assistant pastor in Sunny Hill, he was trying to train himself in kind of obedience, and particularly obedience to listening to the Holy Spirit and then trying to act upon that, however difficult or challenging or scary it would seem and so what he decided was like just to help me learn what's God and what's just my own head I'm just going to respond to everything and do everything that I feel the Spirit's prompting me to do and go with that and so one of these days where he's in this kind of state of mind he he was walking down a busy street in in Poole in Dorset and he came across an old man, an elderly man, who was struggling to parallel park his car into a small space. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, trying to edge in and edge out. And so Dom, being helpful and feeling kind of prompted, decided that he was going to offer his assistance to this man. And actually said, look, do you want me just to jump in and park it for you? Uh, and then, you know, you can kind of run out to the shops and whatever. Uh, and the man actually, like, <laughs> my surprise, actually allowed Dom to sit in the car. And so in jumps Dom into the driver's seat uh, and the man's elderly wife is fast asleep in the passenger seat next to him. Anyway, as Dom's trying to kind of get into this very tight little gap, another car comes right up too close behind him and so he can't actually manoeuvre into this gap. And so he just panics and he thinks, I've got to go around the block and come back. So he just disappears down the road with this man's wife sitting. And in his rearview mirror, like, I'm so in trouble for this. In his rearview mirror, he could see the man waving his walking stick, shouting, thinking that Dom was stealing his car and kidnapping his wife. With all of this commotion, this man's wife wakes up in the middle of it all, looks across and sees this very strange young man in the driving seat where her husband was. And I, I mean, maybe she was thinking, hey, hey it's a trade-up, right? But actually, if you know Dom, you know that's not going to be possible. That's not true. What she actually does is completely panics. Like, who's this guy? And she starts hitting him while he's driving with her handbag, swinging it around in the front of the car and beating him up. Honestly, with the very best of intentions turned into absolute disaster. And when Dom finally got around, I don't know how the story resolved. I mean, Dom's still living. He wasn't arrested, so it was all good in the end. But what a traumatic day for that poor man, <laughs> particularly his poor wife. 
I don't know. I don't think he did any. I, I mean, that's not a part of the story that I know, I'm afraid. Yeah, so shame on you, Don Bird. No, I'm, I'm joking. The, the moral of the story, right, is that sometimes good intentions and right motives don't always work out the way that we would hope them to, right? But also, believe it or not, good can come out of bad intentions and motives as well. And we looked at that in part last week where we, we, we saw that God is a God who can take something that is, seems destroyed and he can turn it around and make it something beautiful. Uh, And if you're here this morning feeling like you are sitting in the midst of destruction from your life, maybe from your choices, maybe from other people's choices, uh, I want you to know this morning that God is a God who can not only take you out of that, but he can actually make good come out of that as well. That is the kind of God that we serve. It's a God uh, who is going to advance the gospel. And we saw last week that Paul even though he was in chains, even though he was chained to another person in a prison cell, he saw it as an opportunity for the gospel to move forward. Obstacles and opposition often open up opportunity. And that's kind of where we landed. Paul had this positive perspective of joy, despite restrictions, uh, like the cell, the guard, the chains, despite the opposition, these people that were making trouble for him, and despite friendly fire, okay, and that's perhaps the most heartbreaking thing of all in this part that we're going to look at today. So he said last week, and this isn't going to come up on your screen, but this is, uh, this is verses uh, 12 and 14 of Philippians 1, 12 to 14 of Philippians 1. So this was last week's text. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And now let's move to our text for today. Just the next two verses on, 15, uh, three verses to 18. And he says this, this is on your screen. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? I love that. What a great attitude. Who cares? Is kind of what he's saying. What what does that matter? He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. So he's in chains. There's been a whole plethora of things that have gone on in his life to bring him to that place where he's in chains of false accusations and beatings and all these kind of things going on. He's, he's in this place where it's not great. And now there's people going out preaching the word of Jesus and some of them are doing it in a loving way, motivated by love. And other people are doing it to get Paul in trouble or for other rival kind of motivations. And Paul doesn't care. He's like, Jesus is being preached. It's a win. It's a win. Here's a question, because my title today, if I were to have a title, it'd be message versus motives. What is more important? 
What's better? Is it better to have the right message from the wrong motives, or is it better to have the wrong message from the right motives? Of course, I think we'd probably rather have the right message from the right motives, but as we see here, that's not what Paul has going on. But also what we don't see here, and I want you to really notice this, in that text, there is no place where Paul chastises them for this. He doesn't chastise them for the wrong gospel. That's a significant detail. And we're going to look at that in a couple of minutes as we dive in. But really, today I just want to look at a couple of points. Firstly, I want to look at the people that he's talking about and their motives. I think that's really worth delving into. I want to look at Paul's response a bit more, because that means something as well. And then, most importantly, and I really want to get here, and I will get here no matter what, I want to talk about the message. I want to talk about the message itself that they were preaching. So who were these people? What were their motives? It's clear that we've got two groups going on in these verses, okay? We've got two groups, one of them acting out of goodwill, acting out of love, the other acting out of rivalry, hatred, selfish ambition, insincerity, vengefulness, it it seems even. And it's clear, I would say, if you know and you've been following Philippians, that the first group, those who are acting out of love, are actually consistent with what Paul would say are partners in the gospel that give him joy. And I think that's very clear. Um, But what about the latter? What about these preaching rivals, these envious preachers? Who who are they? Paul doesn't explicitly say here, right? He, He doesn't outline it fully for us, but I think there's three realistic options. Okay, it could be that the people called Judaizers, the people that were trying to add something, and we'll come to that in a second. Or it could be secular, like non-Christian antagonists, people just trying to stir up trouble because they don't like this Christian message, and that's possible as well. And then perhaps shockingly is that third kind of category of who these people could be, and that could be other Christians. It could be other partners in the gospel. And perhaps when Paul says at the bottom of the verse, because of this I rejoice, it's an indication maybe that these are other believers because he still considers it joy that these people are preaching this gospel. Now different commentators do present different views on this, okay? Um, So I'm not going to say this is the answer today, I'm just going to present you some of the, the, the thoughts. My personal conclusion though, personal is that sadly, this is other believers. And I'm gonna explain how I get there, okay? And I'll let you make up your own mind as long as you agree with me. (laughs) No, you don't. Don't have to agree with me. So the Judaizers, right? These people, I actually had a joke lined up for this from a GCSE paper years ago, but Jess put her foot down and said, you can't put that joke into your preach. So I'll leave that to your imagination. But this group, um, this was a group of people called Judaizers who wanted the Gentile Christians to adopt Jewish practices like circumcision. Okay, so this was a kind of Jesus plus message. It was saying that this isn't enough. I mean, some commentators hypothesize that it's this kind of sect or breakaway kind of group that Paul is referring to. And Jesus plus would mean something like this. Jesus plus works. Or Jesus plus the law. Or or Jesus plus actions. Jesus plus legalism. And, And there are examples of that that we see 
in and around the church and things that would call themselves the church that aren't actually the church. Jesus plus something else. Or even maybe these people are talking about a different kind of Jesus altogether. So not the historic and the true Jesus plus other bits and pieces, but just another kind of Jesus, kind of like a cosmic Jesus, like a floaty Jesus. Now, New Ages and those termed as progressive Christians kind of believe this. Stay away from it, it's weird. It's that Jesus is this kind of floaty idea, floaty kind of concept that's not really grafted in in reality of flesh. Or, Or that there's this little God idea of Jesus. We, we as believers hold that Jesus is fully God and fully man, and yet there are some people who would say that Jesus was a God, not the God. In fact, if you look at the Jehovah's Witnesses translation of the New Testament, they, they actually, John, uh, John 1 where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, they changed that to, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God with a little g. They make a massive like two, two tiny little changes, uh, adding an A and putting in a little G. Tiny, almost insignificant to the eye, and yet it changes the whole dynamic of who Jesus is. A different kind of Jesus. And then there's the concept Jesus. Academics love the concept Jesus. What a good example, what a good moral example this man was for us all. If we could all just learn to live like Jesus and, and behave like that, then the world would be such a lovely place. It's a concept of Jesus not rooted in a character. And maybe all of these people think they've got good motives going on. And I want to be fair to other religions because I think there's sincerity within what you believe. For most people who hold some sort of faith perspective, I think there's a sincerity in that, but you can be sincerely wrong. You can be sincerely wrong. Both of these, Jesus plus and different Jesus, are very real, present and problematic teachings. They need to be guarding against. But I don't think that's who Paul's talking about here. Okay? Because by definition, these two kind of camps are the embodiment of a false gospel. To say Jesus plus this or to say a different kind of Jesus is a different gospel. And if that was true here, Paul would have something to say about it. Massive to say about it. Uh, And we actually see a great example of that right here in Philippians 3, verse 2, where he says, and Paul doesn't mince his words, he says, watch out for those dogs, those mutilators of the flesh, talking about circumcision. I'm really sorry, I just, like, acted that with the secateurs. But, um... (laughs) But Paul isn't shy to call people out, okay? And yet here, he approves the message that these people preached, and we'll get to that in a minute, but Paul felt nothing but joy for what they were saying. So it's not Judaizers or a sect or a cult or something else going on here. The the second thing then, is it non-Christians? Is it secular antagonists? Like uh, N.T. Wright, the theologian, the writer, he's way smarter than me, okay? Um, And he favours this argument and he says whilst some people have thought these, this group of people to be rival Christians opposed to Paul's specific view of the gospel, he thinks it's more likely that they are an ordinary, they're ordinary non-believers who have heard about this kind of Jesus commotion going on, uh, this message of a strange new king. Remember the king of the day was Caesar. 
Okay, and this strange new king has appeared and it's being talked about, Jesus is being talked about in the streets. Uh, and so for these non-believers, these secular antagonists, that they, they dislike that and they're trying to stir up trouble for Paul by going, have you heard what this guy is saying about this Jesus who they're saying is the king of kings? That's what N.T. Wright kind of hypothesizes. Uh, and actually, perhaps these people could have been almost like prosecution lawyers who were presenting facts in order to shred somebody. And that's what they wanted to do. So they were truthful in their telling of the gospel, but for the purpose of shredding Paul to pieces. Maybe that's what was going on. But I still think it was believers. And actually, sadly, I think N.T. Wright notes only too well the strife of friendly fire. I've even heard one famous uh, respected preacher, and I won't name this person because I do not believe that that's right, but he actually said on television or on YouTube or whatever, at being broadcast to millions of people, and he read something that he disagreed with that N.T. Wright said, and he, he actually said, N.T. Wright, more like N.T. Wrong. And I just thought, that's a horrible, friendly fire. That's a horrible way to speak about another believer and to bring them down, particularly publicly. You know, but that's not what I'm preaching on today. It's just a point that we sometimes get that. Look, I don't think, I, I love and respect N.T. Wright, but I don't think this quite gets to grips with the envy and rivalry that Paul is talking about. It's more like kind of annoyance and antagonism than re- envy and rivalry. And, and I think this could explain these poor motives going on. But... Would it have been, if these were non-believers, would their telling of the message have been accurate enough to have got Paul into trouble? Would it have had the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way as if they were believers that would have got Paul in trouble? So I'm not convinced. I don't think it was Judaizers. I don't think it was non-believers. So that leaves one really sad conclusion that this was other believers, or at least those who think they are believers. And while we'd like to believe that this isn't possible, I think we all know, sadly, just too well, how true it is, how we've seen the the impact of divisions within the church, how quick we are to fire arrows at each other, to strike blows. And here's the other thing, Paul always talks against that and is always pro-unity. But I think we've seen this repetitive practice over the last 2,000 years of the church where we're so quick to divide. We're so quick to say cruel things about each other, about other churches, about other ministers, about other believers. It's why we've got a multitude of denominations. You know, first century, there, there was no denomination, there was the church. And they referred to themselves, first of all, as the way, And then from Antioch, they started to get called Christians. But this was the church. There there was the church in Rome. There was the church in Antioch. There was the church in Ephesus. But it was the church. The church. And the thing is, I don't think... I, I see why we have denominations, and I don't have an issue with that per se. Look up the hill. You've got Craig Malin. They're, they're, they're free... Um, what's the word? United Free Church. Bless them. They, they do things slightly different to we do in here, but I love them. They're, they're believers. I will embrace them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Andrew, the minister there, pray for him. 
He's doing a fantastic job. Uh, and, and they are our brothers and sisters. I'm not interested in Riverview Church becoming a big church in Bowness. I'm interested in the church growing and spreading the kingdom across this town. That's what I'm interested in. Before I'm an apostolic person or pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm a brother and sister in, in Christ. And I might have some differences in, in some of my theological views. But as we'll come to in just a second, there are some things that like, we, we, can't, we can't change and say that we've got the same thing going on here. But, but largely, there are things between this church, Old Kirk, Salvation Army, that are slightly different in the way we do things, sometimes slightly different in the specific secondary details of what we believe. That's why they exist, but we want to bless them, because they believe in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. They would preach the same gospel. I don't think it's as clear-cut as being able to write off people or chunks of the church you know, as, as false uh, or, or non-believers just because the fact is we all fall so desperately short in our thinking. Uh, and we're all partial to this. Competitiveness, envy, insecurity, immaturity, and pride and self-interest. We are all susceptible to these things. So John Mottier, another commentator on this, he describes this group of people as people, listen to this, this is really good, whose hearts were at war with their testimony. Let me ask you this morning, have there been times in your life where your heart has been at war with your testimony? I'm not going to get into it right now, but there's a podcast uh, for those of you that don't know what a podcast is, sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. That sounds like I'm mocking you. I'm not. But a, a podcast is like a, an audio thing that you can listen to. Like uh, instead of a TV show, you can have like a, a radio show, but it's in a snippet. Okay, and it covers certain subjects and things like that. Um, we put our message out every week as a podcast. Uh, they're the most listened to podcast in history. Uh, there's all kinds of podcasts, there's comedy ones, there's ones for every group and culture and everything like that. But the most listened to podcast in history is called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Uh, and it's about Mars Hill Church, which was a massive church in the States that completely imploded on itself. And the question at the core of all of this implosion and all of this uh, subsequent podcast that are so popular is around the character of a person not matching up to the calling of the person and it's a tragic place for us to be and it's a dangerous place because we can all end up there Paul's response let's have a quick look at that I think this is quite interesting and and I want to just nip through this because I really want to get to the message these people have sought to do Paul harm They're, they're provoking trouble for him live uh, and yet he doesn't call them out, he doesn't name drop, he, he, he doesn't say anything antagonistic back to them, he just says, they're preaching Christ, I rejoice. Elsewhere, he does say stuff. He's no stranger to conflict. He, he was not shy to call out. He was never slow to correct poor doctrine or defend the gospel or refute heresy or something that was a false gospel. Uh, as I mentioned in Philippians, he says, watch out for those dogs. 
He also names a guy, a non-Christian guy, a metalsmith called Alexander, and says, he did me great harm. And he basically says, church, watch out for that guy. He's dangerous. He's done me harm. So Paul clearly doesn't mind name dropping, right? And saying, be careful here. He doesn't do it here, though. And then he even opposed Peter to his face and then wrote it in a letter. It says, I oppose Peter to his face. He is not shy if he thinks somebody's in the wrong to say so. And he does not do it here. And that's really, really important. Contrast this with verse 4 and 5, which say uh, that he prays with joy because of their partnership. And here he's seen rejoicing because Jesus is proclaimed. And there is a shred of partnership still going on right here, right now. Whoever this group were, the message was right. Because otherwise Paul would have called it out. Yeah? But he doesn't. So Paul demonstrates that these people were not peddling false or different gospel, but the true gospel from poor motives. What was their message then? What is this gospel? Paul says, preach Christ. Whether you're a believer or not, whether you know Jesus Christ or not, hear this. Christianity, preaching Christ, is not all roads lead to. That's, that's just not true. It's not that every religious path that we take will eventually lead us to God. It's not that good intentions will eventually kind of get us falling through the door. The Bible very clearly says in Acts, I think, 4, 12, there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. I'm sorry if, a believer or non-believer, I'm sorry if that offends you this morning, but the truth is I'd rather you be offended and have the chance to grab onto that one name than for me to pacify and say something that seems like society will love it. Oh yeah, just be a good person. I'm sure, you know, just do nice things for people and I'm sure God will. No, Jesus is the only name. And I explained it this morning to Colin, our friend here, uh, who's asking me some quite tricky questions, so pray for me over that. But I, I said like, imagine you're in a vast ocean uh, and you're treading water and you know that you're on borrowed time. There's no way you can swim to any shore or any sort of shallow. And, and so your life depends upon your ability to tread water. And at some point, you're gonna find yourself deficient. You're not gonna be able to tread water any longer. And at that point, you need a rescue. Now, what if a helicopter comes along and drops a line down and you're like, no, I don't want that line. I want a different kind of life. I, I was hoping for a boat. Or, or I was hoping for a lifeguard. You know, Pamela Anderson swimming out to save me or whatever. Like, that's what I was hoping for, God. Oh, helicopter driver. <laughs> Pilot. <laughs> I should always work through my analogies before I say <laughs> And I said, like, you need to take the rope. Because you're not going to be able to save yourself. And there's no one else coming. That's the gospel. You can't save yourself wherever you are right now. It doesn't matter how hard you can try. It doesn't matter how good you are in your life. It doesn't matter how much money you've given away, how wise you are. Or you could be completely at your wit's end in a dire position. It doesn't really matter because at some point you're going to run out of the ability to tread water. And you need rescue. And Jesus is dropping that line right in front of you. 
saying, grab a hold, because there is no other rope. There's no other rope. There's no other pilot coming out to save you. There is no other name. Like this isn't, this isn't Christians like stamping our feet and saying, we want our way. This is us shouting, there is only one way. If you don't take this way, you're gonna drown. And it is as clear as that, and I'm sorry that I'm shouting, but I'm so passionate about this. You need to take the rope. That rope is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. God steps in to the brokenness and sinfulness of humanity to rescue and restore. And he's done it for me. And I even toyed with the idea this morning of not preaching and just telling you how Jesus reached into my life when I was at a low ebb and pulled me out. When I literally thought the only thing stopping me taking my own life is I don't even have the guts to do that. And at that point, falling apart, lying on my bed, desperately aware of how much I'd screwed my life up, I just said a few words. I said, Jesus, if you're there, please help me. I am tired of running. I can't do this. I need you. And you know, that moment, I knew something of Jesus coming in and starting a transforming work in my life. That moment. This gospel is beyond the religion of man's invention. You know, religion is man-made by and large. True religion, that God refers to it as, is God-made. And there is only one. There's only one way. Religion means do it, earn it, prove it. It means it's works accessible. It means distant God. It, it, it means unknowable God. It means chase God, appease God. That's what religion means. The gospel means done, paid in full, credited to your account. It means it's accessible by faith, not by works. It means God with us, not distant God. It means knowable God. It means being chased by God. God is chasing you down. And it means God who was pleased to dwell. Listen, religion means guilty. Faith in Christ means forgiveness. Religion means lost. Faith in Christ means found. Religion means imprisoned. Faith in Christ means set free. Whoever you are, whatever your situation, he is the chain breaker. Salvation and rescue is God's work. Jesus into our world, accessible by grace, a free gift through faith. If you don't know Jesus, the first step you do is to believe, to dare, just dare to believe. I'm going to believe that you are real. I'm going to believe that you are who you say you are. I don't know what that means any further than that. But I'm going to pin my life on the fact that you, Jesus Christ, exist, that you died, that you rose again, and that you can live in my life. I'm uh, 
I'm really aware of time. I've got to count down this, <laughs> this time to try and keep me right. But... <laughs> Look, I, I just want to quickly say this, because that's the basic gospel. God has come and dropped a rope. The rope's name is Jesus. Grab a hold of him and he will pull you out of the situation you're in, I promise you. And if you don't know Jesus, come and see me, come and see Ian, come and see Andrew, come and see Jess. Like anyone that you came with, come and see us and pray with us. We'd love to introduce you and lead you to Jesus today. But listen, there's detail in this message. And if, if we get this me- detail messed up, we no longer have Christians. We no longer have the Christian church. Uh, and, and Paul's whole understanding of the gospel gravitates around three words, which he uses again and again, but sometimes in different orders. Sometimes he uses one of the words, sometimes he uses all three, but the words are Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord means that he is the unequivocal, the eternal deity. That before even we had a concept of time, Jesus existed. That he was with the Father in the beginning before anything was created. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus, deity. That's what Lord means. The rock of ages, the great I am. And then Jesus or Yeshua, it's the God man, fully man and fully God at the same time. He's the word, the the logos of God made flesh. The, The phrase Emmanuel means God with us and Jesus is the embodiment of what that actually means. Fully God, fully man, so he is with us the saviour of sinners, and then Christ is about the office of king, the king of all kings, the king over prime ministers, the king over presidents, the king over first ministers, the king over every other kind of ruler or party in this world, or even in the spirit world, God is the king over all kings, Jesus Christ is the anticipated Messiah, the ruler of the nations, the potentate of space and time, the ruler of all things. And this is so very important. We don't get to manipulate the gospel to suit our preferences and our culture. We don't get to change who Jesus is. Like, we don't get to have a buddy Jesus, like, bouncing his head on the front of our car and think that's what Jesus is, just my buddy. Like, he is holy. Yes, he's your friend. He's a friend of sinners. He's incredible. He's a brother. And yet he's a Lord and he is Christ. And we don't get to eradicate those things and say that we still have the same Jesus. As a believer, listen, we cannot deny the physical life, the physical death, and the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nor can we deny the eternal deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's better, the right message from the wrong motives or the wrong message for the right reasons? I'll take the right message every day. Ian, do you want to band come up? In a minute we're going to close, but I think we might just be pushing over a little bit, and that's okay. If, if you need to go, go. 
I don't want to rush, like, and just kind of like finish this and then quick last song and then let's get our coffee and tea. Like, have space in your hearts to, to respond to this because even as a believer, we need, the gospel isn't for non-believers, the gospel's for all of us. The gospel is for you. The fact that Jesus Christ is the eternal deity, is the eternal God, is massively impactful to where you are right now. Amen. Paul rejoiced in this message. He found and celebrated some form of partnership. Look, this isn't unity for unity's sake, okay? I, I am not up for just saying, yeah, we're, we're all the same, all us religions, or even sometimes all us that call ourselves Christians. Jehovah's Witnesses call themselves Christians. Mormons call themselves Christians. Different Jesus. Different Jesus. There is no true unity where, is there, where there is no unity in truth. Mm. Clearly, this is an important message that Paul endorsed from these people even as they were hurting him. Our character should be or be becoming consistent with our calling.